BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Hey everyone, big news from the boys of the last podcast on the left. Check out the last comic book on the left, our most sinister comic anthology. It now has a volume two. Please pre-order now at Z2Comics.com. We have an even bigger stable of artists and talent and writers and everyone that we did for the first one, although the first one is fucking amazing and it's still available on Z2Comics.com, but we're asking you to go pre-order number two, Z2Comics.com. You're going to like the way you read. <laughs> All right, everyone. Thank you so much. Hail yourselves. Hail Satan. Hail Gee. Content warning, this episode revolves around a lot of discussions of things like domestic battery, violent relationships, and violent crimes, so please be advised. Someplace underneath. Fun fact, there's very little to do with comics at Comic-Con. So, Oh, like comic books. Yeah. Interesting. I, mean, I know that they still have a presence there, but a lot of it is just fandoms. Like anime or like dragons. Yeah. But also just straight up like there was a Beavis and Butthead corner. That's fun. There's like anything you can really have a fandom about where there's lots of merchandising. Yes. That's what that is. I love that. I've never been and I don't know a whole lot about comics, but if somebody wants to dress up as Beavis and Butthead, do it. I mean, that's uh, the New Orleans in me. Like I love dress oh, up yes, costumes. Yeah. I was a little sad I didn't put a costume together. Right. It's like Mardi Gras for nerds. It is. It truly is. Uh, welcome someplace underneath them, Natalie Jean. I mean, Nelson. And you know, nerds still get really fucked up, so. Oh my God, they get laid more than any of us. Yeah, and it's probably a little bit less um, scary, like misogynist energy. Although there, I mean, you know, there's still a lot of guys going, can I have your photo? <laughs> and you go like, I guess so. Uh, I didn't dress up, so I didn't get any of that, but I've been to many conventions working in the horror community and I watched it happen to our friends who were dressed up where they're not necessarily gripping or grabbing, but they're they're eyeballing a lot of boobies, but that's okay. That's okay. As There's, long as they respect space. Yeah, they're trying to get out there. Look at, and I'm sure your friends have gorgeous breasts. Really nice Voluptuous, ones. Voluptuous, yep. milky. 
perky breasts. Yeah. Yep. Filled with milk. Mother's <laughs> milk. Yeah, no, we had fun at Comic-Con. We were at one of the parties and there was a very fun actor that we got to talk to who I feel weird about naming, but they're from a show that rhymes with Mitt's Freak. <laughs> um, and that was really cool. And yeah, it was great. I don't know. I like it when you see people that are famous that aren't assholes mm-hmm. that are like nice. Yeah. That's yeah. very warming and welcoming in the world, you know? Yeah, because the opposite is often true where you meet somebody who you really admire and then they're kind of mean. They're mean. Yeah. I mean, I guess I get it. Like if people are clamoring at you 24-7, you need your privacy. You need to fill the well, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that's true to the extent of um, some. sometimes you hear like, oh, this person was such an asshole or, you know, I've even guilty of saying that when I was first starting in the film industry and like you realize oh, maybe that person was just being quiet. Like, they're maybe not jerks. And also people all have emotions. So sometimes somebody might be in a bad mood and they might be terse with you, but they're not like asshole monster people, you know? Mm. I don't know. That's why they have big mansions, because it's their prison. It's their prison, Natalie. It's their prison. And I'm just... I'm just here to defend the celebrities, everyone. <laughs> so we got a couple cases here today. Yeah, so we're we're going back to Louisiana. Speaking of Mardi Gras, and you know, uh, this is not necessarily the same area of Louisiana, and this is not a fun part. But as this show is called "Someplace Underneath" and it is about missing women, this is two women who are currently actively missing, pretty recently in time, and they're both Louisiana locals. So I thought we should just take a look into their stories a little bit today. This first one that we're talking about is really frustrating to me. It is a story of a woman named Crystal Journey. There was a little bit of a spike in interest in her story around April and May. And that's great. There was coverage on NBC after, you know, there was a lot of criticism about people of color's stories not getting covered. And so that's nice. They did it in an article, but it's really not very much that they did. And also, I swear to fucking God, I swear to sweet Satan that there was a video account through Dateline of Crystal's story. I don't understand. I feel like I've gone crazy because I've searched high and low and I don't know if they put it behind a paywall or something, but I cannot find it anywhere That happens quite often. There was, I remember in my heart of hearts as a child on MTV, it was right when Beyonce was like, she was still in Destiny's Child. Mm -hmm. And then she was getting interviewed. And then she's like, y'all come see my house in Texas. And it was pretty small. And she's like, my mom makes me get up and run at 4 a.m. and then wear heels. And, you know, she's like priming her daughter. So she's like still a teenager at this point. Mm -hmm. I remember that interview. And then I tried to look it up and I can't find it. And I think it's kind of like, like Osama bin Laden's body dumped in the ocean. Like we people can't see where that house is because it would have to be guarded 24-7. Yeah. So sometimes they can just take the videos away. Yeah. I mean, it's still even in this day and age, it's still possible. And, you know, maybe I'm completely insane, but I remember watching it yeah. when I was doing research on this and I bookmarked it in my head, but not on my computer, which is stupid. Shit. I swear to God there was a missing in America video about her. But Why do you think it went away? I don't know, man. (laughs) I guess we'll uncover the case some more. Yeah, so we're just going to talk about it. But all that really is up online is a couple of articles, the kind of the repeat photocopied ones, and then 
it sort of just tapers off it's first when it first happens. And then there's a little spike again, like I said, in April, May. It's so fucking tragic. It's just like, how do we have a PR person for missing people who aren't rich? Like we, right. This is something we keep talking about on the show over and over again. And I, I don't know what the answer is, man. Right. I don't know. It is just weird reading an article that's just so like, blah. It's like, she Very went sterile. missing on this. Bah, yeah. bah, bah, bah. I'm like, this is a human being that's somewhere. Right. That's lost. She yeah. could be alive. And like, it's just, and, and here, we don't care. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I am thankful that NBC picked this up. So at least we got some vantage from her family a little bit. So Crystal Journey is a New Orleans native, and she hasn't been seen by anyone since December 22nd of 2021. Her children, sister and mother have all been advocating for her. But I would assume, like many of other stories we've covered, that they're not entirely sure what to do because you don't really get a like a playbook for this sort of thing. Hell, I mean, I've been doing the show now for two years and I still really don't know what to do. So (laughs) what has happened here? Well, Crystal was, as of December of last year, a 39-year-old mother. She's very pretty. She has a close relationship with her eldest daughter, Dominice. Very, you know, vibrant, young-looking woman. While there haven't been any suspects named, a person of interest was named pretty quickly. Her boyfriend, who... Surprise, surprise, has a history of domestic violence. Oh, wow. That's crazy. Yeah. This man, Roosevelt Marshall, seems to have yet to be picked up by the police or, if questioned, has not been arrested. But as we will hear the backstory of this a little bit, how is it not something to do with him? Or at the very least, he would know stuff. But as far as they're alerting the public to, he's never been arrested. What? Or even brought in. I'm perplexed by this. So Crystal reportedly left her home that night of December 22nd and got into a black Toyota Avalon with the Louisiana license plate 102 EQM to make her way to a concert. She was going to see a show. It was something she did regularly. She likes musical up. So this concert, which is a hip hop guy named Fredo Bang, was taking place at... Do you know that theater, Sanger Theater? Oh, the Sanger Theater in in downtown New Orleans. Yeah. I feel like I might have been there when I was very young and I got really drunk and I don't remember, but I know Sanger Theater, you know. So it's a place, I guess they do a lot of like music shows and stuff. Yeah. So it's in downtown New Orleans. So she was going to that show. Though she and Roosevelt Marshall had been broken up at this point, she was going with him. And that car is believed to be his car. Oh, she was driving his car? She was getting picked up by this car. Oh, he's coming to pick her up and take her downtown. Yes. That's don't do it, honey. Yeah. And again, this is not about like, this is her fall. Why did she get in this car kind of thing? But yeah, we'll get into that. But Roosevelt, for his part, has a bit of a past One that does not make him look great. On August 2nd, 2020, a warrant was issued for Roosevelt Marshall for unauthorized use of motor vehicle and for aggravated assault. So in the police report, the victim stated that she and Marshall hadn't been in an argument because he believed she was breaking up with him. This victim in this police report is not named, but we do kind of learned that's probably her later on. She told the responding officer that Marshall had grabbed the keys to her car and started to drive away. She said that she had reached in to grab the steering wheel to get him to stop, at which point he accelerated, dragging her along with the car. 
Ooh. So, you know, every time people are like, oh, why didn't she just say no? Why didn't you just break up with him? Why didn't you just leave? I don't know. Because you get to get dragged by the car. Yeah. This is most likely Crystal here in this police report. So then four months later, on December 10th, 2020, another warrant was issued for Marshall for one count of battery of a dating partner. In their police report, the victim stated that after trying to flee her ex-boyfriend Roosevelt Marshall's car, he grabbed the scarf that she was wearing and held onto it while striking her in the face with a closed fist. (gasps) Oh my God, like being punched in the face? You can go knockout bye-bye forever. Yeah, I mean, that's just brutal. Also, the photos of Roosevelt Marshall, he's a big dude. It is really awful. Yeah, I've seen it. He's huge. Yeah. So the responding officer noted severe bruising on the right side eye in addition to the blood on the left side of her face and blood on her left ear when where her earring was ripped out. I'm sorry, that's very graphic. The report said that the victim had been dating Marshall off and on for about nine years. Shit, that's a long time. Yeah. And again, the person is not named in that report, but I do believe it is her because of what I'll tell you a little bit later on. But regardless of who that is, that's terrifying. That's horrific. So he's not what we would consider maybe a safe person. No. And I hear it takes on average eight times to leave a partner that's abusive because, you know, the unknown is scarier because you don't know who's going to beat you. Yeah. I mean, there's so much. There's so much psychology based on like like why somebody doesn't walk away from an abusive partner. It's, it's, It's like... It's so maddening for anybody to be like, why didn't you just leave? Why didn't like really? Because yeah. <laughs> at least I know now where the abuse is coming from. And you don't know the lies he fed her. He could say, like, you leave this house, they're all gonna rape you. You know, you don't know what he said. Sure. And it's just that it's so ignorant for somebody to just say, like, why didn't you go anywhere? It's like <laughs> spend three seconds thinking about that. Yeah. I guess she wasn't lucky enough to have you come along and explain to her she could just leave. And it's interesting. Sometimes the person, she might disassociate and then not really know how to speak or talk to people. Or Mm -hmm. sometimes she might become violent because that's the world she's used to. Yep. And a lot of times, unfortunately, that violence like goes on to like kids, you know? Yes. However, even though she is not named in these police reports, according to blackandmissing.org, They found a police statement that said Roosevelt is currently wanted in Jefferson Parish for sexual battery, simple robbery and domestic abuse, battery strangulation. He is also wanted in Orleans Parish for domestic abuse, battery and aggravated assault. And Crystal is listed as the victim in both of these warrants. I mean, I mean, get him. He's got all this stuff. I don't understand. Are the police just not talking to each other? I don't know. Across these parishes? I'm going to cross compare the two women we're going to be discussing today because... Like, why is this still open? (laughs) He's very violent to his, like, romantic partners, and he has warrants out. So, like... What's he doing here? What are we all doing here? Yeah, I mean, I'm not a big put-him-in-jail person, but if somebody's a violent threat I mean, if it's sexual battery and domestic battery, I you can put him in jail. Get him out of here. Yeah. So, Crystal had been dating Roosevelt on and off for several years, even though the other part of the police report says nine years, which just makes me think like, I think that's also Crystal, but it's hard to say he could be doing this to many women. So her 22 year old daughter, she remembers first meeting Roosevelt around 2016, but you know, he's such a catch. He's probably got many girlfriends. Yeah. I mean, that's usually what happens with these guys. They get like five or six women. Yeah. 
girls, you're better than this. You're better than this. And they're too scared to leave. And mm-hmm. they're just like, oh, if I do leave, he's going to kill me. And he just kind of comes around for sex and they give him money and he thinks he's the top king. Yeah. I mean, I feel like those things are probably accurate. We can just guess. I'm just going to throw it out there. <laughs> <laughs> I've just I, seen it happen too many times. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So I obviously don't know the full history or the dynamics at play here in this relationship, but in my personal experience, if you've broken up with an abusive partner, keeping any sort of contact with them whatsoever is never really a good idea. Delete their number. Yeah. Like not any sort of like liking a photo or any sort of casual communication is typically not going to be a good thing. No, or even just a regular boyfriend or girlfriend. Like, break up, it's done. And we are not friends. I mean, even if it wasn't abusive, because you have to go find yourself now. And if you kind of stick around and like, well, um, I don't know, he, mm, you're going to get pulled right back in. I get that too. I'm, I'm friends with some of my exes because... Or friends like a few months later. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like we, especially younger relationships, just because like we just got older and like yeah. became different people. But like, some of them are really nice people. And so I still keep in that kind of contact. But I think you're right, too. Like, you yeah. need a you need a period. Just for like two months. Just go find yeah, yourself. Totally. Go climb a hill. Yep. Climb a fucking hill. Climb a mountain. Be careful about climbing a mountain unless you have got all the equipment. <laughs> Bring some snacks. Go chill out. Go meditate. Get away from him. <laughs> so, you know, again, this is not me trying to shame Crystal at all. Um, I'm more so recounting for myself a couple times that... I did that in my life when I was much younger, you know, like, for example, there was a a real like piece of work, older guy I was dating when I was really young. And Mm. he convinced me to go on an already planned trip with him after I had already moved out of state to get away from him. And because I was so young, I was just like, I relinquished it. I went like, okay, fine. Cause he wouldn't let it go. Oh no. And I'm really quite lucky. Nothing worse happened to me, but it was awful. And he was inappropriate and he didn't respect boundaries, of course, because he was a piece of shit. Yeah. He just kept bothering and pestering you. Uh-huh. That's their, that's their goal. They bother, bother, pester, pester. Come on, come on. What are you doing? Yes. So I couldn't say no to him though. So, I mean, I very much understand if you're in that situation or have been in that situation, but you know, at the heart of hearts, that person's never going to be a safe person, no matter what. If they've gone past a certain line, there's no there's no coming back. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, yeah. But anyway, right before the day of the concert, Crystal had actually been treated at the hospital for ovarian cysts. I don't know that that has anything specifically to do to the missing situation, but it's an interesting thing to happen right beforehand. The only way I could ever imagine that having any sort of you know, play in this is that she had like some sort of medical reaction somewhere and, you know, somehow went missing because of that. Like she yeah. fell or something. Got but, lost or something. Yeah. But there's really no evidence of that. But she was still in recovery at the time. Presumably okay enough to go to this concert. I didn't know actually who Fredo Bang was, but I looked him up. I like him. He's like a really young guy. He's sort of like a trap, a trappist. Um <laughs> From Louisiana, he's a young guy from Louisiana. So they have a lot of great artists from Louisiana. Yeah. I feel like a show would probably be really fun. I could see why she'd want to go. But as far as we know, on the outside, that is, like the public, no one knows if she made it to the concert that night. The family was even trying to get footage from the concert, like from the venue, to see if they could find her in any of the yeah. you know, footage in the crowd or anything. 
and they were unsuccessful, but I'm not sure why. Like, I don't know if it's just because the footage doesn't exist. You know, I have a theory that a lot of these cameras just straight up don't work. Oh, yeah, it's definitely true. They yeah. don't. Like, I wanted to go take a nap in the airport during my layover. And I was like, no, nah, I don't think people know here what's going on, where the cameras are. I don't think they work. And then I didn't. And I wanted to sleep so bad. And I'm glad because then like three, four days later, there was a dude that hijacked a plane. Remember this story? What? He just like went through the TSA. Oh, the guy who, who died by suicide. He died by, yes. Yeah. So he just like found, they were like, oh, he went in this room and the yeah. cameras don't work in there. And I'm like, it's the airport. That What are you talking about? And that then, shit was, that story is wild. They couldn't find him for hours. Yeah. He just wandered around the airport. What's he doing? Yeah. That is a crazy story. And, you know, be prepared if you have like a sensitivity about like suicide and stuff, but you should look it up just out of sheer, just like disbelief. Yeah. It's not a positive. I think a lot of people thought it was cute or, or like, oh, it's cool. He's getting to that. It's like, you're just showing how easy it is to breach security at the yeah. airport. And it's that's really terrifying. Easy. Yeah. There's a lot like my friends that got their car broken into in any sort of parking lot. They're like, hey, can we look at the security cameras? Mm -hmm. And they're always like, oh, they don't work mm -hmm. every time. Yeah. A lot of the time. But they weren't able to get a hold of any footage from that show. So they don't know if she even made it into the show or if Roosevelt made it into the show. So they do, however, have confirmation from their home security. I think a ring that she did, in fact, leave the house and get into that car believed to belong to Roosevelt. OK, so they do have that confirmation that she was going along with that set of plans because they knew she was going to that show. But there could have been somebody else in the car. We don't know. We don't know what was going on there. We know that they were broken up. And he has a history of violence. So could it have been a vengeance thing? Could he have been trying to get with her and she was refusing and he got mad? It's really hard to say. When she left the concert, her family didn't notice anything out of the ordinary in her behavior. So, you know, just nothing that made it seem like she was in distress or scared or anything like that. I don't know how they felt about her hanging out with that guy, but I, I think maybe they had gotten used to him being in and out of the family's life. Yeah, I'm sure she had an aunt that was like, leave him. I'm sure. Leave him. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. And while like Crystal maintained contact with her daughter regularly, I mentioned she's an adult woman, so she actually lives in Texas. So there wasn't an immediate alarm bell going off. Like, you know, it wouldn't have been like where they saw her every single night and she talked to her every night. And so immediately would know like mom didn't come home. It's like, no, they probably talked once or twice a week. They yeah. were close, but 
she wouldn't have made sure she got back from the concert. So there wasn't an immediate, you know, alarm bell raised from any of this. Crystal's mother lives with Crystal, an an older woman, but her mom says that it's not uncommon for Crystal to spend the night or two away from home if she's hanging out with friends or is in a relationship. She's 39 years old. Exactly. She's so do what she wants. Her mom is also not going like, make sure you tell me when you get home because yeah. she's 40. So, you know, again, mom didn't think that that was weird. She didn't right away go like, this is scary. But within the next couple of days... It started to become a little bit concerning because she wasn't answering texts and it was getting close to Christmas. And it wouldn't have been normal, of course, for most people to just disappear during a big holiday. Yeah. And just not answer her kids, you know? So by Christmas Eve, they knew something was wrong and they all started to frantically try to get a hold of her. And then it's kind of tricky because Christmas Day happens and a lot of stuff closes down. So... Early on December 26th is when they go to the police and file a missing persons report. That's got to be terrifying to just slowly come to the realization that she's lost your family member. Because you're like, oh, well, she's probably out. I'll give her another ring. Oh, she's still an answer. Okay, she might be like taking a bath. Okay, I'll give her another ring. And God knows if she... Oh, shit. You know, we don't know the dynamic. If she was hanging out with that Roosevelt guy, maybe she was in a pattern of their like... Oh, you know, he's around again. She's not, she's going to be gone for a couple of days or like, you know, I can't imagine that they thought like he was great. No. (laughs) So, you know, they might've just been like annoyed at first or something. That's completely speculation, by the way. And so they filed this missing persons report and there is a little bit again of media movement in the early, early part of January. There's no movement past that. When it picks back up in April and May, they tell this story, but nothing has happened, including Roosevelt still seems to be a wanted man, but it doesn't feel like anybody's looking for him. They just don't even care. Like, oh, well, she's gone. And this guy's got some problems, but I don't know what you want me to do. Yeah, man, he sounds crazy dangerous. And like, but I do wonder, I mean, this brings up the bigger conversation around what you brought up around Vegas in the past couple episodes, Amber, is that New Orleans is a thriving, you know, vibrant and high energy place. But there's also a lot of crime that goes along with that, you know, and a huge amount of turnover population yeah. because it's a travel destination. When I was I stayed with my brother there for a couple of weeks and I remember going to this place that was like a little off the beaten path. And I was just going to call a car because like Ubers were just coming out. Mm-hmm. And my brother's husband, he said, don't do that because they live there. They said, don't do that because sometimes the cab drivers, the yellow cabs, they'll just not take you to the destination, rob you, do whatever they want to you and then drop you off. And there's like nothing you can do. So you have to like and that's why I was like, oh, shit. And like now when I travel, I look to see if they have and, you know, Uber and Lyft, they're not exactly the safest, but at least there's like an online trail. Right. You have a paper trail. Yeah, definitely. I agree because. Yeah, we just really been getting into strangers' cars for a long time, but yes, we have. What are you gonna do? Um, <laughs> also, lock your back doors if you're driving around New Orleans because it's a big thing where you stop at a red light. People will get in your back seat with a gun and like rob you. Yeah, and again, this is like not. It's not gonna happen every day you go to New Orleans, yes. but that's a risk, and like you just have to stay aware of everything going on it is a beautiful town yeah and you should go for the music and the culture and the people are really nice and loving and giving but the food the food Mm -hmm. is wonderful but there is an underbelly there where there's a lot of poverty and where there's poverty people are going to do whatever they can to get 
their rent paid. And not only that, but in a travel destination, in a party town, there's going to be people looking to take advantage of that yeah. like organized chaos. And that's just like Vegas. But there's no right way to avoid danger. You could go to like a very nice, quiet little town and still be attacked by somebody. But if you are a local, or even if you're not a local who disappears in that sea of people in New Orleans, like, are there actually boots on the ground enough to cover that serious of a crime? Or is the emphasis on, you know, the drug and prostitution busts and the shootings and the more quote unquote everyday kind of crimes? Because they are constant in a party town with people traveling in and out. And I don't know what the answer is to that because it sort of does seem like Crystal's case has not had a ton of attention paid to it by police. On top of that, it doesn't seem like they're doing a lot to look for this kind of scary dude. Yeah, if he's, you know, supposedly if he could have done it to her, what's stopping him from doing it to other girls? I mean, I don't think it is. I don't think it's stopping him. So, yeah, I don't really know why they're not moving at all in this case. And I, I really wish that they would at least find Roosevelt because he would be the only person who knows anything about her. But they seem so passive about it. Yeah. They're just like, yeah, he's uh, done all this stuff and he's got warrants out. I don't know. I guess so maybe we'll figure it out where he is or sometime. Maybe he'll turn himself in. Maybe I, he'll just come to the police. He'll feel guilty. You know? He'll, he'll feel guilty. He'll show up. I feel like, do police talk to each other across parishes or counties or states? I feel like you could say, commit a crime in Alabama, get in a pickup truck, drive to Louisiana, and just, you could just get away with it. I feel like it's super easy to get away with crimes now, even though we're in the Lord's age of 2022. Well, yeah. and Cameras don't work. Th this is interesting contrast to the next woman we'll be discussing here, but I don't know. And we did talk about how chaotic the police force was during Katrina. And like, I don't know if they ever really like made it a lot better. No. That they lost a third of their police force to abandonment. And a lot of police who stayed were like not being helpful in any way. And do they have good organization there? I don't know. I it doesn't seem like it. I don't know. I've never spoken to a cop in New Orleans. I yeah, I yeah. can say that. For the years I've lived there. Yeah, I would feel like more than anything, if I saw cops there, I would feel afraid of them. I think I think I would feel like I wouldn't feel safe if I went around the corner and there's a bunch of New Orleans cops. I'm sorry, but I just feel like that would be scary because it seems like they they're can, in the, with the crime. They're like corrupt. They're probably doing the drugs, too. Fuck it. I don't know. I'm throwing yeah. it out there. We're all going to go to hell. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, so Crystal Journey, she was last seen wearing a cream colored dress, a hat and black boots. Dominice describes her mother as around five, five. 190 pounds with a caramel complexion and freckles. She has multiple tattoos, including a Betty Boop tattoo on her foot, an elephant on her thigh and a peacock on her right leg. Of course, we hope she is alive somewhere, but it certainly seems like we need to at least locate Roselle Marshall. That would be a great first step. And I, I mean, there's literal reports <sighs> that he's wanted and the cops are just like, I don't know, beats me. <sighs> So again, though, we have to go, you know, you should contact the NOLA Police Department, 5th District Detectives at 504-658-6050, which I guess, you know, if you have any information, it's just frustrating because it doesn't seem like they're putting a ton of energy into this. But it seems sometimes like black women can get just taken with no consequences and I'm pretty mad about it. But um, where the fuck are you, Roosevelt? 
And again, if you don't want to go through the police, if you feel afraid and want to submit an anonymous tip, you can go to blackandmissinginc.com backslash tip line. So this woman is from a like a little bit of a different area in Louisiana, and it's also a fairly new missing case. Her name is Ella Goody. She would be 33 now. She was 32 when she went missing, and she went missing on March 9th. 2022 so very recently she hails from lafayette louisiana i love lafayette by the way oh really yes it's like an artistic kind of town that's just still in louisiana oh cool i love it is it like sort of a um like cultural like fun town to go like spend time in it's really fun the places that i've been it all felt pretty safe to be honest but i've only been there a couple times let me know if i'm speaking out of pocket here but every time i've gone i was like oh this feels like a nice place to be there's a cool band zydeco band they have a lot of zydeco cool it's kind of like um blues with washboards yeah yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah, and it's not really a tourist destination so it doesn't have that wild energy probably that New Orleans would have, but probably a lot of like the flair of Louisiana. Yes. So that's where she's from. But she was actually driving from that area towards Texas. Um, Oh, that is so dangerous. Sorry, I'm interrupting. I have driven from Louisiana through Texas and there's a certain park there that is so dangerous. I I was driving with my brother and then I saw these two good old boys in the woods. There's no cell phone service. There's nothing. And the way they looked at me and my brother got out of the car, I was like, if my brother wasn't here, I know in my female spidey sense that you guys would have attacked me. The way you are looking at me and driving by so slow. And then I was talking to other people and they said, do not drive to the park. Do not stop. Because we stopped to like get some fresh air, like blah, blah. Yeah. And then locals in Texas were like, no, no, you do not stop at that park. It's like clans people live in those woods, Ugh. like modern day clans. And I know we think like, what? Well, it's not 1930s, but they, they're still here. Oh, they're definitely. We saw quite an eyeful of them in the last few years. They've really become very confident. Yes. So she was doing that drive basically from Lafayette to she's supposed to be going to Houston. Ella is very clearly deeply loved by her family and friends. They have been very active in this investigation, screaming into, you know, every microphone that they can find about her since she disappeared. She's really adorable. You can see her spirit. She has very kind eyes. Oh, she is kind. And that's her family. Yeah. Yeah, She looks really kind. Those are her two kids and they're so cute. Oh. So, you know, that's sad. She's a young mother of two. Authorities are... Still on the hunt for her. She's technically from Scott, which based on what I can see on the map, it's basically Lafayette, but it's maybe a suburb of it. So that's technically where she was coming from, but it's Lafayette. So this area is slightly north of, like I said, the other stories we've been talking about, which have largely been around the area surrounding New Orleans. This is a little bit further out and we're talking a bit up from the coast, but not northern Louisiana. So it's an urbanish. It's like a small city, like you said. It's less than half a million in the metropolitan area. But they've got like high rises and stuff. There. Yeah. Yeah. So Ella works as a rideshare driver. And it's been understood that she was taking a rider on a long haul trip that day, which is why she was going from Scott to Houston. So this is what I'm gathering from her family statements. Ella 
has had this writer several times in the past. His name is Brandon Germain Francisco. He's a 36-year-old man from Menzora, Louisiana, which is a bit farther upstate, like more towards the middle, which that's near um, Alexandria is what I was thinking of. Oh, right. I know Alexandria. That's a nice part of town. Is Alexandria a nice city? I think it's nice. Well, the times I've been. Yeah. It's been nice. So he's from Menzora, Louisiana, which is, yeah, like a little bit further up. So Ella was familiar with this guy. Maybe they wouldn't have been considered friends. They might have been, but the vibe I'm getting from her family is that they knew each other and she felt comfortable enough with him. Like she had given him rides before. An acquaintance. Yes. And probably where they are, you might get to know people easier because it's not a huge city. So, you know, maybe she just had almost like clients that Mm -hmm. she would drive regularly. Though she was a Lyft driver a lot of the time, on this trip, she did it off the um, off the app. Yeah, she She's basically like, you yeah. give me the cash like meters I'll drive off. You. Oh, that's so dangerous. I mean, I could see her being like, "Okay, you give me a hundred bucks, I'll travel. I make a right. little more money. We don't have to. They don't have to know about this." Right. So I think that was sort of the premise of this ride was just like, "Here, I'll give you cash. You can keep all of it if you just want to take me. It'll be cheaper for both of us. I mean, you know, you'll make more money. It'll be cheaper for me if you just drive me out." <sighs> I had that happen at the airport recently. He was really? just like, yeah, because at the L.A. airport, if you want to do a ride share, you mm-hmm. have to take a bus to the ride share lot. Right. It was so late at night. And this guy comes up and he was like, hey, so you don't have to wait for the bus. My guy, my guy canceled on me. If you just want to get in the car, we'll go. I'll take you. And I thought about it because I was yeah. like, I don't want to take this fucking bus. But then like, I was like, no. And then as soon as I got on the bus, I was like, wait a minute. Why is he here if the guy canceled on him? Yeah. Why is he in this lot and not in the rideshare lot? Yeah. I'm glad you didn't get in that car. Thanks, Natalie. Yeah. Good job. (laughs) Um, But yeah. So for Ellis, she was, you know, I I get it. She was just like, yeah, I'll get some fast cash. I know this guy. It's not like a complete stranger off the street. And she's like, yeah, it's cool. I'm comfortable with him. Because of that, there's no paper trail like we were just talking about of their trip. However, she was maintaining contact with her family that day. She did tell her family she was going on this drive and they didn't pick up on any level of distress in her because, again, it was a guy that she knew and she didn't seem scared or anything. A lot of those places, your phone doesn't work. Even my mom drives around through there sometimes, like in southern Louisiana, and she's good. The phone cuts out. Yeah. So she did as much as, you know, I think a responsible person would do keeping in touch. I I don't think she felt alarmed at all, but she was like, hey, I'm going to be driving out of state. So, you know, I'm going to keep in touch with you, which is smart. She had called her brother around noon that day just to let the family know that they were okay and that they were getting gas. That's a statement by her cousin, Jessica. Police were able to get this guy's name from her family. And it turns out that this guy had had a warrant out for his arrest for an unrelated crime. And he was later on arrested. So let's go back anybody these days. (laughs) Let's go through a little bit of this timeline. Police say her vehicle was seen on I-10 heading towards Texas that day. 12 hours later, traffic cameras show her vehicle coming back into Louisiana. Note that they are saying it was her car spotted, not Ella was spotted. Because they don't know who's in the car. Right. So she had tinted windows, all that they were able to see the license plate, know that it was her car, but they couldn't tell who was in the car at the time. But that car did come back towards Louisiana that day. Then on March 10th, Ella's vehicle is spotted back in Texas. 
north of Dallas. So this car is making some long distance drives after they stop losing contact with her. A few days after this, March 16th, Brandon is listed as a person of interest in the disappearance. So within the next five days, they're trying to figure out what the hell's going on. Her family is immediately very concerned. Because they look like a close-knit family, just from the picture I see. Yeah. She was keeping in touch with them because they wanted her to be safe. And they were like, she stopped making contact at a certain point. Oh, yeah. She has has young kids. That's Mm -hmm. not likely a mother to just abandon her children like that. No. And she, you know, she's a smaller person. And I'm sure that they immediately were freaking out. (laughs) So... When his name comes into the fray from Ellis family, probably bringing it up to the police, it becomes clear that they run his name and he is already actually on the run for a separate shooting charge from 2018. I bet he fucking had a gun on him. Well, we have yet to see any evidence forensically of anything displaying a gun situation, but he could have for sure. He had a shooting charge already. So in 2018, he didn't show up for this hearing that he was supposed to have where he was facing attempted second degree murder charges. Holy shit. Yeah. In a different parish, which is, again, a county of Louisiana. You know, this makes me not like I don't like a social credit score. I think that sucks. I think we should all live free and die hard. But if you're running around with attempted murder, like I want to see like a like a chart above your head that I can oh, but be not like, like a credit score about whether or not you've paid all your bills. No, I no, just want to know if you've like killed a woman. Yeah, sure. That'd be you that'd know? be cool. That'd be fine with me. <laughs> yeah, let's do a number of based, you know, rating system based on how many people you've attempted to murder. Yes. Yeah. So he was facing this other charge from this different parish in Louisiana nearer to Alexandria. Like I said, he apparently had been on the run ever since this and, you know, ballsy, I guess, for only being like one county over, but he hadn't been caught. So I don't... uh... Whatever. What's up with all these dudes? Again, like I feel like people, we think it's 2022. Everything's checked and balanced. The cameras don't work and everybody's on the run. What do we do? <laughs> what is this? The medieval periods here? I guess so. It's really not much different. So just a couple of days later, the FBI gets involved, which to be honest, I was really surprised to hear. I'm not entirely sure why the feds got involved. I thought maybe there was more charges that we didn't know of, but I'm not complaining, by the way. It's just I'm very surprised that the feds got involved with this case very quickly. Interesting. Probably because it was related to with weapons, like a shooting. Well, what they are saying is because it was multiple jurisdictions and so they needed to step in. However, it's just a really interesting cross comparison between Ella and Crystal's coverage because Crystal was also with somebody who had a violent criminal history and was wanted. And yet there was barely anyone paying any attention to it. And while I love that Ella's getting this attention, why are they paying attention to this guy and not Crystal's guy? It Interesting. I don't understand. Are they just picking and choosing their job today? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, why did hers disappear so much faster? Crystal's? I don't really know. Is it just truly, is it truly the level of engagement Ella's family has had? Because we have said that over and over again on the show that, it really seems to make what a huge difference if your family is talking and talking and, and insisting that people listen and also that you have cute photos of yourself. Truly. I know how silly that sounds, but it really seems to make a huge difference if you have a bunch of photos of you smiling. Yeah. So, you know, homework, go take a few cute photos of yourself. Yes. Just in case. 
So yeah, what they're saying is that's because multiple jurisdictions happened. But then I got kind of curious about why it wouldn't be the Louisiana Bureau of Investigations. But then I started reading through this and I noticed that Louisiana doesn't exactly have an LBI or if it does, it's called something else because a lot of states have their own Bureau of Investigations. The TBI and the GBI are both really well known, Tennessee and Georgia. But I guess not all states have a state-based FBI. This is a breakdown for another episode. I was just curious. I found it very curious that the federal investigation kind of stepped into this story. Huh. I mean, I feel like... But I'm glad. Yeah. The Louisiana, like if they had that, it would be probably a ton of like, they were found in the belly of an alligator, just like the craziest shit you've ever heard. Because that state is just haunted. Yeah. It's curious. I think I will try to like do a little bit of a deeper research on that. But I'm glad the FBI got involved. They went hard and the family went really, really hard. That same time period, which is about March 18th, or in other words, nine days after her disappearance, the family organizes a search of where her phone last pinged, which was Iowa, Louisiana, which was confusing to me. Never heard of that place. It must be small. Yeah. Um, I mean, it is small. I've, I've looked it up, but I got confused. I was like, wait. So they were in Iowa also, but it's not Iowa, the state it's in Iowa, the city oh, so or like the Paris, town, Texas, like that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. So that is the name of a town that's about 55 or so miles west of Scott, where she started her drive. So, you know, less than an hour apart, really, if you're on the highway, it would check out if they were along the route to drive from Scott to Houston, it would be along that pathway. So when her phone pinged there, that didn't seem out of the ordinary for her phone to be in that place. However, that was the last time her phone pinged anywhere. It would have been less than an hour, like I said, into that drive, but the drive itself to Houston would be about three hours and some change from where they were to Texas. And unfortunately, they did this big search party, but you know, her phone was pinging. They did a big thing and it didn't yield any results at the time, sadly, but they did. They went out and did like, had people walking around the area trying to find evidence. Then on March 19th, so just a day later, the activist group called Village 337 gets involved. Their mission statement is this. The Village is a local collective of young leaders striving to make Lafayette a more welcoming and versatile community that recognizes people of all colors and judges people by the content of their character rather than the color of their skin. So it seems like a lot of their work is based around advocacy work for like low consideration cases or people of color. And I think also sort of being a watchdog group when people have to interact with the police, unfortunately, like a lot of people are scared to interact with the police. And I think yeah. that they are there to be at eyes sometimes. Cause you could be like, why didn't you do this? What about mm-hmm. this? Like question them. And they'd be like, all right, you're arrested now. Yeah. Yeah. So I, again, I think this is a really good thing to have on Ella's side. The group is and was passionate about getting people to unite despite political differences, which they were kind of pounding into people just being like, maybe we're not always agreeing on stuff. And I think they're kind of talking about like the police. They're basically like, we need to all work together to, to do this thing and to not worry about fighting and bickering with each other because we want to find this woman. Yes. So that's great. With the FBI on the case... Brandon Francisco, he gets picked up pretty quickly after that. Once you get the federal people involved. It's It's hard to run from them. Yeah. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. 
Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms. And producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. So on March 25th, or about two weeks after her disappearance, they swoop in and pick him up where he is hiding out in St. Joseph, Missouri. Wow, he fled. Yeah. He got out of there. Yeah. They received some anonymous tips about where he was. And so they went to that area and pulled him over. And initially he tried to fight them and resist arrests because cool. Great. But they get him. They arrest him. They take him to Buchanan County Jail in Missouri. But he will not speak on Ella's whereabouts. So fuck you very much, Brandon. Oh, he's just mouth shut. Like, you don't tell me what to do. I mean, he's just over here fighting cops. Like, what? he's not a good dude. He, he seems like a prick and not just because he was fighting cops. Because I can always... I can, in many instances, I can get that. But yeah, you, know, you can he get seems, behind that. Yeah. yeah. But not fleeing for shooting somebody. Right. If you're tied to a missing woman's case and then you're trying to like fight the cops, it's like, "Mm, it's not a great look. Yeah, not a great look. Can Um, that be used against his character? I think he's so beyond that point because we'll get into it as a pretty lengthy record. So March 29th, 2022, he wants to be, Brandon is in this jail in Missouri and he's fighting to be extradited back to Louisiana according to Buchanan County court officials. He's trying to get a public defender to fight for this extradition. And the judge denies any bond, of course, like unsurprisingly. I don't understand why he wants to go back to Louisiana because there's always the threat of Angola. Louisiana has like one of the worst prisons in America. They have cops on horses with shotguns making you do manual labor outside. Yeah, I don't know why. I don't know why. He probably knew someone in the court system. Maybe, like he felt like he could either get a fair not a fairer shake, but like like lighter shake or maybe it's just his family was there and he could have more contact with them. I don't really know, but he wanted to go back to Louisiana. Unfortunately, but maybe not surprisingly, right after this arrest, Ella's car is discovered in St. Joseph, Missouri on April 1st. So whenever they find him, he's not driving her car, but her car is discovered two days later in that same town. So so obviously he drove her fucking car and then just walked over there. What an idiot. At least leave it in another state. I don't think this guy is necessarily a genius. No. And I thought also cars had little pings on them or like, like we know where your car is. I think that some do, but you can either disable that or some cars probably just don't have that feature. Again, it's just going to be so easy to run and hide. What are yeah. we doing? I thought we were so safe. We're not safe. Mm. <laughs> this technology is doing nothing for us. Yeah, it's, it's a, also just a double-edged sword because, you know, everything then is monitored, but also sometimes you want everything monitored for this kind of thing, but other times it's really bad to have everything monitored. I don't, I don't know. know Cameras don't work. Cars don't ping. Phones don't work. What are we doing? I don't know. So 
Ella's car is found. As far as any public knowledge, there isn't any sign of Ella in the car or any sort of struggle taking place inside that car. So they just find the car by oh, itself. Because you would see like ripped up seats and whatnot, you bite would, marks. There's lots of different things you could see in like a struggle situation that don't seem to have been a present. At least they're not telling the public if it was. On April 6th, Brandon gets his wish, but I don't think it's because he wanted to. I think it was probably just for legal reasons. He was extradited back to Louisiana to sit in the jail there. And again, you know, he doesn't get bond or anything. He's he's sitting in jail currently in Louisiana. April 19th, Louisiana State Police confirm that multiple agencies are involved in a search near, again, Iowa, Louisiana, which again is the place that Ella's phone was pinging. The area that they were searching is in a 50-mile radius. The Louisiana State Police, Louisiana Department of Wildlife, Fisheries, and like all these different people were all coming together to do like a really extensive search. So if you remember, this is also where Ella's family first was searching for her in the week following her disappearance. The departments are not saying why they're going back there, whether they received a tip or just because they wanted to take more resources because I think when the family was there, it was just people walking through, you know, yeah. and now they're getting these search and rescue teams. Professionals. Involved. Yeah. So they don't say why they, they go back there, but they don't seem to find anything that day on April 19th. A couple weeks pass by. And then on May 3rd, Louisiana State Police say they are now investigating the disappearance of Ella Goody as a homicide. They will not disclose much of why, but state police say based on the information that they have gathered during their investigation, they now believe Goody may have been killed. Whether this is evidence-based or just somebody tipping them off is not clear, but they are still using that may be deceased right. you know, language. If she might be deceased, she also might be alive. So when they're saying that, it doesn't sound like there's clear evidence that they found something to say that. I don't know what they think is making it look like a homicide to them. I do think that it's important that to note that Brandon does have violent charges and, and they go back very far as far as 2003. Reports on Brandon Francisco show a 2003 conviction of possession of a stolen firearm, conviction for statutory rape and attempted second degree murder in 2008. Later in 2018, he was charged with attempted murder, conspiracy to murder, armed robbery, unlawful use of a car, and obstruction of justice. He was set to appear in court for these charges the day Ella Goody went missing, though he failed to show up. So this um, bad guy. Yeah, he doesn't sound great. Wouldn't you feel embarrassed if he did all this shit? I guess he doesn't. He's no. just a piece of shit. And he's like, I don't care. I'm great. Yeah. I mean, he was arrested wearing a shirt that said Black King on it. And I think a lot of people would disagree with that. So apparently, according to these documents, he was actually supposed to be in court for some of his previous charges the same day. So it seems like he was fleeing the state with Ella. Oh, because he probably couldn't afford to rent a car or have his name attached to a rental car company. So he's probably like, hey, sweetheart, I'll just give you a little bit of cash. You drive me halfway down the road. He's like, I'm the driver now. I'm the captain now. It takes it, does something with her. We don't know. Yeah. And then goes to Missouri 
and but, flees there again. My yeah, man. I mean, it's just confusing. Not a life of peace. No, no, definitely not. But it seems very reasonable of a like a theory. But it's confusing then why he wouldn't just like push Ella out of the car or something. Like why if you're fleeing charges, why would you then create this much worse crime in the middle of it? If you're trying to like evade police for longer yeah why would you commit a really and i'm not saying that you're wrong in any way but it's just like are he's you probably, an idiot or? yeah i think he is he's probably not thinking three steps ahead he's like i got this hot because she's a beautiful woman mm-hmm. in the car i'm driving fast i'm the man and like we also don't know his like maybe he had like a fixation on her maybe there might have been some other reason that he wanted her to drive him and maybe she Said, no, I don't know. You know, Uh this is pure speculation. She looks like a good person. And he seems like a bad dude. And these bad dudes are attracted to these sweet, innocent types Mm -hmm. because, oh, I can manipulate her. There's a seduction in the corruption. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So he is capable of a lot of different crimes against a person's body. You know, he has a statutory rape charge. He has assault charges. He has attempted murder charges. So... I think my big concern, like so many missing cases, is that what if Ella is alive and was sold in some form of exchange for a deal he had or something? This far, there doesn't seem to be any forensic evidence that would suggest a killing. Doesn't mean it didn't happen, of course, but with all of that up in the air, the fear of her being alive and being hurt somewhere is real. This man seems capable of both murder and exploitation, so... It seems in the realm of possibilities. I guess my concern with Ella and similar circumstances is why they changed it to a homicide case. I still really feel haunted by that little girl, Zion Foster, if you'll remember from the beginning of the season. If you'll recall, her cousin eventually confessed to hiding her body after she just was fine and then died, according to him which I still don't buy at all, but the police seem to have accepted it. Oh, yeah, and they didn't even search for it or anything. Wouldn't you find, like, go to the trash, go, like, to these hiding places? They didn't do anything. If they did look, they didn't find anything, and they they essentially closed the case based on his word. And they have no evidence that that's what happened. They also don't have any evidence to say that she just randomly died. They just seem to be accepting what he said, and... Doesn't make any sense. It doesn't. She could be like drugged up somewhere, which is usually what happens in these missing cases with women is they're used drugs. So you can't escape or you feel too scared or you get addicted to the drugs and you're like, I I, I need my next hit, you know? Yeah. Trafficked women. There's it happens a lot. And it's not I think, again, people really put that idea of they just can leave. But it's not it's a mental prison as much as anything else. But regardless, that, that thing with Zion always really, it still really bothers me because we don't know. We don't know that he did that. We don't know that she's dead and we don't know that he didn't do something to her. And I worry that, that now they're putting this on to Ella for some reason that is not based in like tangible evidence. And why are they doing that? Is there any reason other than they don't want to deal with it anymore? I mean, here's a thing that might sound awful, but are people in government using this women also to like have fun with? Not I mean that these women are trafficked. We don't know. But imagine a woman is like a, a certain woman is. And then they're like, oh, she's dead. But then they like go to her that night to have sex with her. I think that that is, you know, 
we can get really into the like the weeds of conspiracy theories and stuff. And I do obviously people who work in government in uh, everywhere are sex predators. But I think the question comes is like, I think the idea of it being this concerted effort amongst like, you know, like these cabals is not likely because it's just that probably a lot of them are separately pedophiles and rapists and stuff. You know what I mean? Right. So it's not, I mean, it's not, it's physically possible, but I, as, you know, we don't, we don't knows? know. And also, yeah. you know, under my sort of theory, it would mean that the people in the system would be smart. And if we look at like some of these guys in mm-hmm. this, you know, they they have, you know, crimes from the next state over and the authorities are yes. like, oh, I don't know. I mean, that's definitely another reason when I always shut down people saying these like, massive you know illuminati based things it's just people are you're giving people a lot of credit right i mean the Um, cameras don't even work what are you doing no one knows what's going on but yes if she was trafficked there's she'd be a lot of places and certainly sometimes traffic to rich people and powerful people yeah and these highways Um, these are a big pipeline easy pipeline mm -hmm. so i just want to know why they're saying that they think it's a homicide i just really i think that this has happened a lot more than we want to believe that it happens, that it's just like they just assume after a while. And that's really doing a disservice to a lot of people who are trafficked. Yeah, there's um, no body and there's no struggle. Yes. So there are motives for people who do these sort of things. So if they traffic a woman, there are motives for them to lie about it because sometimes they're more afraid of those people than the police. Yeah. Like with, you know, with Zion's cousin, we talked a lot about how if he got away with the saying it was an accident, but he actually trafficked her to somebody, he was probably way more afraid of whoever those traffickers were than he was of some cops and going to jail for a few years. Yeah. I've met some like spooky dudes in the bar and club industry when I used to work in them. And we always like to think that like maybe people have a bit of rationale or empathy to them, but there's just some people that don't have it. Yeah. You look at these men dead in the eye and you're like, oh, you would hit me across the face and kill me right now yeah. if I spoke wrongly to you. Right. And I, I do think that's a human reaction too, is you want to find the humanity in people. And sometimes there are... Not always, but sometimes there are people around who don't have that capacity and you're never going to get it out of them. You can't because it doesn't exist. And, you know, for what it's worth, Ella's family believes she's still alive. I just don't think it's right to deem someone deceased with only the word of some jerk off somewhere. And her family said it right on the news in May. It don't make me feel no type of way because I don't believe it's homicide because there's nobody. I mean, how could it be a homicide when there's nobody that's found? Um, I don't believe it. I'm so happy that she said that because I feel like in a lot of situations, if somebody hears from the word of police that it's a homicide, they kind of just accept that. And, yeah. and not to just, you know, to say that that if somebody was told that by the police that they're bad people for like abandoning their family member. But we've seen in other cases where if they say, well, it was probably a homicide. Their family accepts that at face value. And I like that her family's going, why would I think this is a homicide? We don't have any evidence of it. No, they want to fight for her. Yeah. And I think that they should. I support this. I like, I love this attitude and I support it. And just don't let her be dismissed because it seems maybe easier to say like, she's probably deceased now. Yeah. Cause they just want to move on. Mm-hmm. They don't care. It's, it certainly seems like that. So Ella Goody would be 33 years old currently. She's been missing since March 9th of this year, 2022. She's small, five foot two. Yeah, she's very little. She went missing from Scott, Louisiana, which is like a suburb of Lafayette. 
She's female. She is five two, five three. She weighs about 120 to 130 pounds. She's got brown hair and brown eyes. And she has a lot of tattoos. She's like tattoos on her neck. She has a little gap in her front teeth. She's very cute and tiny. And um Oh, that's disgusting. I mean, not for I mean, she's beautiful but i can see like some man just being like oh she's cute you know because she's so petite yeah i'm sure so you can call louisiana state police if you have any information at 318-484-2194 or submit a tip to lsp.org or i'm quite sure that if you felt afraid or distrustful of the police you could go to that advocacy group village 337 and they would assist you in that so that is Ella's brief story. Her life is much more of a story than that. She has a family. She has children, people who love her very much and are not going to give up on her. And um, it's just, wow, it's that piece of shit. Those kind of people, they can just sit there knowing that people are looking for their family and just go, I don't know. Yeah. And you can't torture them because that's illegal. I don't agree with like the state torturing people, but what a piece of shit. To just sit there and say nothing. And you know that she has family desperate to look after her. But then again, look at his track record. We assume that people have an ounce of humanity. I don't think this guy does. Yeah. And the problem, too, with the torture thing is police technically do do torture, but it often elicits false confessions right. because they deprive people of like sleep and food and stuff. And, and after a certain point, almost any of us will say just about anything to have food or to fall asleep. Like at a certain point of weariness, you will just go. I'll say, yeah, I did yeah. this. Can I please go to sleep? You know, so it doesn't work. Yeah, they shouldn't um, be doing that. I've heard so many cases of, I think I read a tweet the other day. This guy said he was denied for an apartment because like over a decade ago, the police were like, hey, if you just say you're guilty, then it'll all disappear. And it it wasn't. They lied to him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That happens to like cops can do that. A lot of time will tell you that Either they have evidence of something that even if you didn't do it, they're like, we have it. And suddenly you start going, did I do this? Maybe I did it. If they have evidence and then they don't have it, like that kind of shit. I had some stuff go down with my family and a police tried to talk to me. And then she tried to play the good cop and just be like, but why would your family do that to you? Mm -hmm. You were just being a sweet, naive girl. Now just come on down and talk to me. And I just blocked her. Yeah. Blocked her on the internet real quick. Yeah. No, that's probably a good idea. So it's... It's tragic and hopefully we'll have some updates. And of course, you know, just please reach out to one of these groups if you don't want to call the police, if you have any information. Because we covered such a wide span of topics on this series about Louisiana, I just wanted to focus in on one specific area that we'll give a big donation to, and that is protecting women. So we are going to donate to Iris Domestic Violence Center, which is protecting and taking care of women around the Baton Rouge area. And since we talked a lot about that area, I thought it'd be a good place to go. Their mission is we empower survivors, prevent relationship violence, and promote justice for victims of domestic and dating violence, their children, and our communities. And you can check more about them at stopdv.org. That is, I think we're wrapping up Louisiana this week. We obviously could keep talking about Louisiana. Yeah. It's really hard to go look at all of these different missing cases. And I'm really grateful when you guys send us them. Please know that we are reading them and like putting them in, you know, a category to like look at. But we do have so many. Sadly, it's hard that you have to pick and choose which people to talk about. Right. And, you know, I know we've done a lot of like Louisiana 
talked about the bad things, but there's also a lot of really good things. Mm-hmm. You know, if you want to go visit, I will say just like anywhere, keep your head on a swivel, be safe, tell your friends where you are, don't get too drunk by yourself. But, but you get like drunk, you get know? drunk, but you know, not by yourself. No, I wouldn't do that. But go to the arts and the culture and the museums and the music and the food. Go see it. Yeah, for sure. So now Amber and I have both looked into a little peephole of what is not great in our states that we grew up in or in our communities that we grew up in. And so now we're going to be talking about some of yours, you jerks. <laughs> I am Natalie Jean. You can follow me at the Natty Jean. You can follow the show at someplace underneath. I'm Amber Smelson all across the board. And we are Natalie and Amber, Saucy, Pert, and Gracie as always. Goodbye. This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors, you can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer... Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Every day, our world gets a little more connected, but a little further apart. But then... There are moments that remind us to be more human. Thank you for calling Amica Insurance. Hey, uh, I was just in an accident. Don't worry, we'll get you taken care of. At Amica, we understand that looking out for each other isn't new or groundbreaking. It's human. Amica, empathy is our best policy.